Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? We're live. It's the, it's the schedule release show. I have stumbled over calling this the draft show like seven times in lead up. <laughs> I am Jake Burns, Mr. Brown's Mock Draft. How are you? Ready to find out when and where, my friend. We're excited. We have the great Ian McBride doing all of our graphic work. He is taking a virtual bow as we speak. Mr. Fantastic. He does uh, unparalleled stuff, in my opinion, for quick work, turning around graphics. Uh, We appreciate him. All graphic work, courtesy, uh, otherwise illustration-based things that have been put together, um, you know, from a cover photo standpoint, were done by Mr. Wreck This League. Uh, He is uh, another fantastic contributor on the graphic side of things as he puts together most of our conceptual designs and does fantastic stuff. And um, as people trickle in here, we don't know how many of you will join us. We talked before this, Steve and I, and we said, hey, man, if there's like seven people, we'll probably just cut this thing short. But there could ultimately be like 200, 300, 400, and all of a sudden on draft night, we had like a 1,000. So we couldn't really believe it. We're going to talk about the schedule. Some games you guys know about, uh, some games you don't know about. We have teased some. The great Lane Atkins uh, threw us the entire schedule about midday. Made me spit up my lunch a little bit because I didn't know it was going to happen that quickly, uh, and and um, and and we're pretty pumped about that. So we have seen it. We cannot totally release it here for a little bit until the NFL does their thing, and ultimately the Browns get their stuff out for the right reasons. You know, we have to stay in line. But we have seen it, and we will talk about all of these games as they come. Uh, but Steve, I just want to talk about the one that we were informed right away this morning of, which is the game that I said I had heard about a week ago. Uh, I had heard about the Chiefs in a primetime game. Now, it is not truly primetime, but I consider that 4 p.m. Nance-Romo game to be really primetime. I mean, that's that's an important game. That's the CBS game. So uh, let's talk about it, man. Where are you on that game, and how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's a national broadcast. Uh, the only thing that doesn't make it primetime is that it's not you know, in at under the lights. So, um, I mean, heck, you might as well get it out of the way first, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, j- get thrown into the deep end here. It, it's going to be interesting because much like last year, uh, the defense especially has a lot of new pieces that come with question marks. Uh, now, I think the questions this year are far more to the affirmative. Uh, we think to the affirmative than we did last year. And, and we certainly think that they have improved uh, in critical areas. Uh, especially when you're you're talking about uh, matching up with this particular offense on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think as long as everybody's healthy, uh, we kind of know what the offense is going to be right out of the gate. I mean, the, the questions on the offense outside of health would be how much OBJ does OBJ give week one and how much of what we think Anthony Schwartz can give them week one. Because if those guys can give even 80% of what we think they can be, then that critical deep threat element will open up all the other stuff underneath. So I think the offense is going to be able to score some points regardless. But the key, as is anytime you play an offense with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, is how are they going to hold up? And I think they have more answers this year, especially in the defensive backfield. Yes, they improved the defensive line, but, man, you think about what they could go to uh, as far as a a dime package – there's some. I know you know all the names too, but it, it, it's pretty interesting because we know they're gonna 
they're going to put pressure on. We know they're going to put pressure on. Even with the Chiefs' improved offensive line, they're going to be able to at least make Mahomes sweat a bit with just four. And you think about the seven this year that, at least on paper, that leaves back in coverage. I think they're in a much better position this year to at least – slow them down much more than they did in the first half last year. Yeah, we were talking off air about just how um, just how uniquely Kansas City has retooled that offensive line. There was yeah. no doubt as you were watching Kansas City uh, find their way past Cleveland, find their way past bu- Buffalo and into the Super Bowl, that their their offensive line was the weakness. Now, they, they took some issues, um, you know, we t- they took some issues going from different stages of the playoffs into the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, there was the weakest point of their offensive line, like the injuries that added up and all of that. But they had to retool it on the fly, and they did. And, and that's going to be the ultimate question, right, Steve, is how effective can their offensive line be against what we think, what Cleveland thinks, if the defensive tackle room sorts itself out with some threats in there between Andrew Billings and a couple of those others. Is it is it ultimately going to be enough to give Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl uh, failure flashbacks? Do you think they've done enough, or do you think that Kansas City line is retooled in a way that's going to be a problem? I think they've, on paper, they've done a, a ridiculous job. Now, will they be ready week one? That's, you know, I mean, we've heard for year, for decades, you know, uh, it takes time. Right? No matter how talented you are, an offensive line has to move as one. You have to be able to know where the other four guys are without knowing where the other four guys are. Now, yeah. can they do it? um by week one sure uh you know i it's uh, up in the air but can they do it just enough because we know patrick mahomes can create his own extra time i and that i think they can as much as revamped and as much pressure as the browns can probably put on with you know imagine they're passing uh a front four is, is uh miles Clowney, uh jackson and tack let's just say those they're gonna be able to put some pressure on with those four guys but you look left to right i wrote it down here you got orlando brown joe tooney uh i'm gonna go ahead and say it's either austin blythe or creed humphrey and either one is fine and then you if the weakest point on your offensive line on paper anyway is either you know like kyle long or remmers or, or lucas nang i think you're in a you're a damn good place so and then you think about the weapons that he has to throw to I think they're going to be able to to uh, to put some pressure on it and make him move around. But the key this year is the back end is going to be so much better because, in theory, you're looking at um, Denzel, Greg Newsom, or Greedy plus Troy Hill, and then you're looking at uh, uh, Grant Delpit, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, and JOK. Those are your seven cover. That that's your coverage unit. That's a pretty damn good and diverse. Uh, co- coverage unit uh, behind them. It's way better than what they threw out there last year. As hard as those guys tried, they're just not as yeah. good as the seven that we have now. So can they, can they do it enough to slow them down just enough that we can beat them in, in, in a foot race, which is what I think this game is going to ultimately end up being? Yes, they can. Can they do it week one? It's a tall order. It's a tall order to do it the first week of the season on the road against a team, frankly, just as frightening offensively as the Chiefs. They're, they're going to be uh, such an interesting case. I, I mentioned to you too, Steve, like off the air, I, I'd rather get them out of the way. I would rather show up, and it's almost like you and I had a conversation before, I just vividly remember it, before Tennessee when we knew the Browns were reeling a little bit defensively and we we're really worried about Derrick Henry going crazy, and it was like, this is a great measuring stick game. I didn't really worry about Baltimore because that was the first game in a weird preseason. There was nothing that should have told us the Browns were going to play well, and they didn't, and that was that was obviously going to happen. But about the Tennessee game, I thought they probably will lose, 
But if they don't, then man, there might be something serious here. Right. And I think we can have the same discussion now if they go to Kansas City after retooling and and on their side of things, completely overhauling their defense and then obviously adding in some important aspects to their offense and giving Kansas City a good game and perhaps beating them. If they beat them, if they beat them right. and break their Romo Nance CBS coverage curse, <laughs> then we're going to be like, okay, man, this is real. So, um, you know, it's it's a one game in the scope of a newly added now 18-week NFL schedule. And it's it's going to push people one way or the other. You know what I mean, Steve? People are going to way overreact to it of if they course. lose. And people are going to way overreact to it if they somehow find a way to win, in my opinion. So it's it's just going to be interesting. I liked it because, personally, the Browns have been the media darling of the NFL. And um, and, and it's been interesting to me that since they've been this media darling, does it, does, does it give you 2019 flashbacks? And in my mind, it does. I think 2019 is going to be the best thing for this team because the leaders that were here in 2019 – uh, obviously can, can relive that experience and talk about that experience and how they failed to meet expectations and they let things go to their head. But I like this the, the going into Kansas City with the belief that the, the concept in their mind of nobody believes in us. Nobody thinks we can win. And in the NFL, it's a motivation business. People don't talk about that, but every little thing that people talk about, like the Browns is the Browns, like people, they hear that everybody hears this stuff. And that is important to me because I think they need to go into this season hungry and a rematch with Kansas City should make them hungry because you know if you beat Kansas City you ultimately are good enough to win a Super Bowl and that's yeah. the goal and and that's got to be that's where I'm at with week one is great challenge love getting them out of the way early and man do I love this team going through the preseason camp preseason stages with nobody in the world thinks we're going to go to Kansas City and beat Patrick Mahomes who's 10-0 and in September games in his career so th that's where I like it. Yeah, and there's a couple other things to think about too. If they if they were to lose, let, let's say that last year week one repeats itself. I don't think it's going to, but let's say they head into Arrowhead and just get the tar handed to them. You know, then they have the whole season to know where they have to get to. It gives them the measure. These are the Super Bowl representatives from our conference the last two years. That's what we got to play at 17 weeks in a row now. We can't do what we just did. But I think the key for us as Browns fans, because, you know, we're, like you said, especially Twitter is going to overreact one way or another. It really doesn't matter. But once the initial emotion is gone, I always like to come back to something I heard Mike Krzyzewski say years and years and years ago. He said, if you play poorly and win, don't get caught up in the win. If you play well and lose, don't get caught up in the loss. So we one, I think as fans, yeah, of course we want them to win. I, I, I'm not saying we don't, but even if they don't, pay attention to the process. Did they play well? Did they go in there? Did they do what they wanted to do and just come up short? That's different than, man, they look like crap and they got the, the crap beat out of them. You know, that there's a different thing. So I think week one, as much as we all want the W and you want a W every single week, as fans, it's not, especially with the extra game added this year, it's not something to, to jump to conclusions one way or another. Pay attention more to the process that early than the results. Could not agree more. I know there have been some other games, Steve, that have leaked, and we are going to bring in some of our OBR cohorts here at some point. Cody Sweck will join us momentarily with his uh, input, from some, some input from some numbers perspectives that I think are fascinating. Nerd. Um, nerd. Uh, I think that there was some leaked <laughs> information uh, from Ian Rappaport uh, that has been out there about some different primetime games that we've heard about. The first one that I thought came to light this morning was a Christmas Day adventure up north into the icy fields of Green Bay. I thought that one was fascinating. Again, 
conjecture. The Cleveland Browns have not confirmed that this is an right. actual game, but this is what the people connected to the NFL are saying. And again, maybe it's happening. We don't, you don't know if it's happening. Maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe it isn't. I'm excited about it. The Browns have not been to Green Bay since 2013. Uh, they went up there and got the crap knocked out of them in the in the Brian Hoyer season, uh, which is one of the few games that they really got dominated in that season. They didn't get dominated in a ton of them. But um, anyway, listen, I I think it's going to be really cool to go up there. I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers will be there. There could be an, an icy divorce well before that situation happens, but – um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see sort of what happens with it, but I, I'm, I'm drawn to a green Bay game. It might mean something in, in, on Christmas day. Pretty cool. Right. I mean, it's four twenty-five, not a night game, but really cool. Again. Yeah. Uh, national broadcast game in Lambeau. I mean, is there a better, uh, venue, you know, I mean, it, it's, and like you said, the key to it all comes down to 12. I mean, if he's there, obviously it could be a, you know, people, they'll be hyping it up as a potential Super Bowl preview, you know, or if he's not, then who knows what the Packers will be. Uh, either way, I mean, I, I had sort of said before the season when we found out we were going there, hey, this might be, that's a, it's a bucket list place for me, Lambeau. And I was like, maybe I'll, you know, now that things are opening back up, I'll take a shot up there. It's Christmas Day, so I mean, I could technically go. I, my my wife would say, "Yeah, you can go, just don't come back." So you know, it sort of put the kibosh on that from a personal perspective. But if we assume that Rogers and the Packers work it out, which if I'm the Packers, I'm doing everything in my power to to make that happen. They're also going to gear up for one last run. This is this is the last ride you know, for them. And so it would be another great measuring stick to see how far they've come since week one uh, against Kansas City. It would be a great game late in the season for us, assuming things go the way we think they're going to go on paper, for us to sit there and go, okay, give us a Christmas present with a win or at least, you know, compete and take it down to the wire. Show you can play with the the best of the best of the best. That would be the best uh, Christmas present that we could get uh, as Browns fans. It does look like the schedule has been released by the Browns on social media. They have put out their full uh, full slate. We will talk more about Green Bay when we go through them one by one. The thing I am drawn to, as everybody is seeing it, and we will throw it up here in just a moment, a week 13 bye. That is late, Steve, very late. I don't know how that compares to the rest of the NFL. Uh, as you see the schedule now put up in front of you, that week 13 bye sandwich between – we'll talk about the weird quirk that is Baltimore two times in a row there. So strange. But – but uh, I am interested, as, as we'll have on uh, our, our, our colleague, uh, uh, Brad Stainbrook here in just a second, the Week 13 buy scares me a little bit. I, I, I think that a team that is going to be so reliant on um, health, health being such a big thing for them, and, and some of these veterans that they've brought in, a Week 13 buy makes me nervous. Does it make you nervous? Um, well, I mean, like anything else, there's, there's good and bad. There's yin and yang. An early buy means maybe they run out of gas because then they have to pay you know, 12, 13 weeks in a row at the end of the season with no break. Um, a late buy like that, maybe they're sort of gassed, you know, and it gives them the juice to recharge for a playoff run, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Uh, you've got some guys that have, have a history of being dinged up. Uh, you've got guys like Delpit and Greedy and Odell and a couple others that are coming back from, various levels of serious injury. Maybe a buy would have helped them earlier. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think by the time we get there, we're going to be more focused on playing Baltimore back-to-back. It's going to be 
Good grief. I mean, if, if you look at it in actual days, yeah, it's it's back-to-back games, but it's really three consecutive weeks of it being Ravens week. It's going to be uh, – it could get ugly emotion-wise. I mean, it could be like game seven of an NHL playoff series. You know, by the end of the series, the teams just freaking hate each other. That second game could be brutal, uh, especially if, you know, on paper uh, unfolds the way we think it's going to be and, and it's, you know, critical to not only the playoffs but the division and everything else. Um, it, it'll be fun, uh, but yeah, it could be, it could be interesting waiting that long to get a week off and then your week off coming between a game against your most hated rival or one of your most hated rivals. Absolutely. I, I, we'll talk about that, that sandwich thing there a little bit more. Brad Steinberg joins us. Brad, how are you, man? Good. How are you guys? We're hey, good. Brad. We're good, Brad. I know you had some stuff trickle into you early throughout the day. Uh, as you check the schedule, Brad, what what sort of things stand out to you on the schedules as maybe uh, the the biggest surprises or the ones you're looking forward to most? It's got to be week 12 and 14 with the bye week right in the middle. I, I was surprised when I first, uh, well, thanks to Lane, we got the schedule a little early and we saw that bye week, week 13. That's got to be the latest uh, bye week we've had in a while. So I definitely have to say the Ravens uh, back to back. As you guys were just saying before I joined in here, um, it could get ugly. Yeah, I mean, it could get ugly from uh, they got to they got to keep playing these guys. I, so much of this, and I will make the caveat, and Brad, I'm sure, and, and Steve would agree with me that it is so hard to look at this thing and map out where teams are going to be and injuries that have happened and coaching breakdowns and firings, and you just you never know. But when you look at it, it's like I think that this is the way my mind thinks. You play Detroit, who I think the Browns have a very good chance of beating. I do not expect that to be a very good football team. And then you can really start preparing that is. It's almost like if you had Navy in your conference and you got to play Navy two weeks in a row. Do you get what I'm saying there? It's such a weird offense that I don't mind them. I don't mind them getting them with nobody to prepare for in between and just being able to focus on the weird gap option tendencies that they have. And and that to me is a good thing. It's like Ohio State way back when they played Navy like four or five years ago, their whole thing was we want to play Navy the first game of the season because we want to have time to really prepare for it. You know, because if you play – uh, like this year they opened with Oregon as an example, and then you played Navy week two, it would be really tough to just jump in and prepare for triple. And that's where you get a bunch of, you know, missed assignments and whatnot. So um, yeah, that, that to me is like, I get it. I'm afraid of, nobody loves playing the Baltimore twice quickly like that. Cause they're good. Obviously it's not like you're playing Cincinnati two straight times like that. But um, I think it's, it's in my opinion, got some little built in advantages. Do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, absolutely. And as a Notre Dame fan, I can promise you uh, playing Navy in the middle of the season is always a man. You better show up, you know, so I, I get that. So do we know, um, does Baltimore have the same bye week as 13 or are they playing in between those two games? Do we know that for sure? I, I, I can't say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let me pull it up right now because that that would play into it, too. I was I, They try to put the divisions together, as I recall, so I would imagine they're probably off, too. But if they're not, yeah, well, that they would are. be great. Are they? Both okay. both teams. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry, they went no, vertical week on theirs. They play, they play Cleveland Week 12, Pittsburgh Week 13, Cleveland nice. Week 14. Good. So that is a little bit of a built-in advantage there. So Pittsburgh, get dirty um, like you always do. Go for it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes, take somebody down. Uh, I, I think that is actually a pretty uh, – a pretty nice little development there in terms of that thing. So, um, yeah, listen, this is good. Brad, other games that maybe – are you interested in going to a game, getting to anything or any – you know, anything else that catches your eye that, that you're interested here? 
could you imagine obviously we can't but could you imagine traveling on christmas day uh to the lambeau field that that'd be amazing but uh i just can't make that work but honestly i think the home opener against houston that's gonna be crazy hopefully hopefully fans uh full capacity that would be amazing it would be amazing. A couple little uh, little nuggets Brad has had lately that I want to chat about before we let him go. Ronnie Harrison, number change. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, uh, so he's going to 15. He recently gave the number away to the rookie. Um, I don't have the name on the top of my head, but yeah, he's going to 15. And then we also have some news about David Njoku. Yeah, hit us up with that. What's going on? There's been uh, an in- – listen, this has been ongoing. David's up, David's down. The Browns are – are they, are they interested in, in, in trying to extend them? They're not. Where's David sit on potentially long-term membership of the Browns? Absolutely, yeah. As of Monday, that's important to say, as of Monday this week, David Njoku uh, reportedly, what I'm hearing, is very open to signing an extension with Cleveland. Um, you know, somebody close close to him told me that he loves Cleveland and he's open to staying, but, you know, it's a business, so we'll see what happens. But this year should get very interesting. I dig it. That's a good nugget, man. That's for you that are listening. Those are the types of things that Brad is throwing to us in the OBR rumor central section. Great stuff. Brad works in tandem with Lane Atkins. Lane and Brad came together. Lane got the schedule full thing. Brad had been, you know, peeking it over to us piece by piece. But uh, Brad, you've also heard some some interesting things too that you you've posted for our our members about uh, people being in Cleveland working out and potentially on site for some OTA stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll get the official. Um, I'm, I'll have the uh, list up for Rumor Central. Um, hopefully Monday morning, right when you guys wake up, check Rumor Central. We'll have the official list or, you know, close to it. But uh, I can tell you this, at least 10 plus players will be showing up for the in-person OTAs. Um, and that's with JC Treader as the president. I don't know if he's going to be there. Probably not. But um, it'll be interesting to see how this goes down. All right, good stuff, Brad. We'll keep it. We'll keep it posted uh, to you know to everybody that we, especially the insiders that, that are that are trying to hear this stuff. And make sure you get to Rumor Central because that's the sort of stuff you can get from Brad. You get more nuggets from Lane from Inside Berea too. It's it's a great dynamic and a huge part of of who we are at the OBR is giving you info that nobody else has and and inside uh, treats from agents or players or like we said from from Lane Atkinside from Inside Berea connections to the front office and all of that stuff. So. Uh, and I, I will admit, Lane and Brad have been out in front of many, many things. And, mm. and the schedule is just one example. Crush the, draft, the draft was an ultimate example of players they have or have not talked to and players that they ultimately were interested or were not interested. So, Brad, we appreciate you taking time, man, and uh, keep killing it in the back channels there in Rumor Central, brother. Yep, thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. Okay, so this is the schedule. Interesting quirks. I want to try to bring on Cody Sweck soon. I don't know if he's around. He's got his camera off and his microphone off. We'll see if he jumps back in here soon. I want to chat with him because the numbers of this. Let me ask you this question. Are you surprised? Let me put it this way. I think New Orleans, I saw, got five primetime games. Kind of strange to me. Um, are you surprised by the Browns only getting one home primetime game, that Thursday night game with Denver? Um, somewhat. I mean, I get the uh the hesitancy that uh you know maybe the league wants them to prove it on the road first um but yeah i thought maybe they'd get a couple i thought i thought for sure uh one of the uh, either pittsburgh or baltimore uh would be a primetime game at home uh, especially after the show they put on in primetime against the ravens last year it was one of the best games of the year uh i thought they would want the league would want to repeat those numbers and you know I, let's not forget the flex thing is still out there so that that this could change uh, you look at the, that schedule down the stretch. Um, 
you know, any of those actually could be, uh, you know, playoff matchups, potential playoff matchups, and, and they could flex them out. So all that. But yeah, I am I am a little bit surprised and I'm a little bit surprised that it's not in the division. Likewise, I am too. I thought I thought they would get I thought they would get one of those two, the Pittsburgh Baltimore's that they're making trips. I thought one of those two would be at home. So whatever though, if you're complaining about this, it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I think that they win enough games and keep making noise in the playoffs. It'll come. We're going to welcome in our resident uh, numbers guru, Cody Swack. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on guys? Nerd alert, right? Nerd, nerd. <laughs> I tell you, I might just yell at you the whole time that way. Uh, which would I'm be used really to funny. at this point. It's a, it's a daily recurrence. Over and over. <laughs> well, I tasked Cody. I tasked Cody with some interesting schedule tidbits. Anything that he could find uh, that would stand out particular for this season, and uh, and and share. Listen, what I what I first talked with Cody about was this idea that the Browns um, were really favored. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. There's always a conversation around teams from year to year who won tight games, who won who won a share of their games by one score or less because that can be flipped. Like that thing can flip the next year and that team all of a sudden goes from a a, a 12 and 4 team to a 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 team or something like that. And the Browns won their share of close games. But I thought, and people on, on social media have made a point of this too, that those things were a little misleading because if you look at Dallas, if you look at Tennessee, if you look at Philly, the one-score game thing, they let teams back in late and had to like recover an onside kick. So they weren't really one-score coin flip games in my opinion. So enlighten our viewers, if you can, Cody, about some of those games and the research you have found through them. Sure. I think when, when we talk about the NFL, the margin for error, the margin of victory, it, it's so slim. Uh, across, across the landscape, one touchdown, one play, one penalty could change a, a whole game. Um, one thing I always think about is uh, the scene in Goodfellas where they're in the prison room together, right, living like kings in one room, and you have Paulie over there cutting the garlic with a little razor blade. Those little paper-thin margins, that, that's how much you have the opportunity to win every single week. Um, the Browns are no different. You have to find a way to win those close games, and it's pivotal in order to make the playoffs every single season. Um, if we look back to last year, there were nine games where the team had a one-win game, one-score win, and they were seven and two in those games. But some of those, like we talked about, are skewed. If you look at that Titans game, the, the Browns were up thirty-eight-seven at halftime of that game. Now all of a sudden, the defense sits back and cover four and prevent. I think it was near fifty percent of Tannehill's attempts in the second half. They ran one of those two alignments, just hoping the big play wasn't going to happen. Just keep everything in front of you. And all of a sudden it's down to 41 35 in the final, even though the Browns just beat the heck out of them in the first half. So that's not necessarily a, a fair thing to say. It's a one score game. But when we do talk about the one score games, if we want to get into some more analytics data type thing of how, especially the offense performed in those situations. Um, if we look when the point differential, any point of any game was plus or minus seven, Baker Mayfield and the Browns had the seventh best expected points added, the highest boom percentage, and the, one of the lowest bust percentages in the league. So if we backtrack a little bit and talk about what those figures actually mean, when we talk about expected points added, we're thinking about uh, assigning a value to the play that changes the impact of the score of a game. Okay, So let's take, for example, the Browns have the ball – third and three at the Ravens 26 yard line, right? Maybe it's three points we're expected to, at that point. We're in field goal range. Nick Chubb gets a four yard carry. 
right? Yeah. First down. Better expected points added. If we go backtrack and say we're third and 18 at our own 26 and Doug Chubb gets a four-yard gain, it doesn't make a difference. Traditional box store statistics will say that um, it's just a four-yard carry, it's a four-yard carry, a four-yard carry, it doesn't matter. When we look at EPA and how successful the Browns offense was, it's putting everything into context and assigning a value to that play specifically. Um, if we look at a boom percentage, a boom percentage where the Browns were, were the highest in the situation of plus seven, minus seven differential, that means it's a very successful play for the offense. That's all that means. And bust is the antonym. It means that it was a very unsuccessful play and the Browns didn't have many of those. Um, so if you, if you think about the Browns and the one score games, there were some and they were extremely successful in those situations last year, which is pivotal. Nerd, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So listen, I, that's, the, that's the big thing I want to talk about, which is this idea that, that Cleveland had had a bunch of fortune. You see at the top there, Ian has done a nice job putting the graphics together for what Cody's talking about. The two and a half wins over expected, I just don't totally view it that way. I think that there was a situation where a majority of those games that they were out in front of and controlling, and they didn't necessarily, uh, I would say, play even games with those teams. Just because you're out in front and you let a team slip back in late uh, into a game to maybe have to recover an onside kick because you're just kind of trying to ice a game away, it's different than playing a game that's 17-14 for most of the game, like something like that, and you're going back and forth. That's different to me. So it's important. Yeah, it's a Dallas game. Couldn't agree more. And the Philly game kind of became that too. They they were up by a couple scores there, and they just kind of let Philly score once, and that became a one-score game that did not ever feel like a one-score game. So there is there's a lot of that. I just I just and plus you got to think about too the wind games too, Steve. Like those cold wind games were ridiculous, and it's hard to to say who you know Oakland ran it better one week, but it's like it's hard to say who actually was better in those games. Well, was, a perfect example yeah. would be the two uh, Bengals games. The two Bengals games were both very close, but very different. The one down in Cincinnati with the game-winning drive that we've all watched a million times, the throw to DPJ, that was a one-score game. That was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The game against the Bengals at home, yes, it was. I think the final was 35-30, but they scored with, what, 42 seconds left or something like that, like you said, and we had to recover an onside kick. So it really wasn't a one-score game, but basically within one point of being the same final score so it's a, i think those two games are a perfect example of what you're talking about cody yes tech one score game but not really a one score game and it's like when nick ran out that's a good point right. by Sox right there nick chubb runs out of bounds at the one yard line to 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 essentially make it a one score game when it Texans wasn't it was going to be a 17 a seven game. game yeah that's what i'm saying that game yeah. he, he scores it's a 17 seven finish so right. nonetheless i think they're okay i think that they sh- they showed in those games that they were the superior football team, but they needed to improve the basement of their defense, which we all presume has happened headed into this year. So, Cody, stick with us for a little bit here, man. We're going to put up the schedule. We are going to go week by week. We have talked about week one. We talked about Kansas City, uh, which which was a really fascinating game, in my opinion, as, as far as the Browns needing to break that Nance-Romo curse they have. Uh, if it's another Browns game where they don't show up, and I think Nance and Romo might just walk out at halftime and go get some beer or something like that. I think <laughs> it was nice to see them in the in the playoff game. They actually showed up, and that was nice to hear those guys calling it seriously. But the home opener. So the Browns will get a home opener with the Houston Texans, um, who are in limbo. They drafted Davis Mills, and, and they don't know with Deshaun Watson. There was rumor today that he was – 
planning to settle with the accusers. I just don't personally, I just don't quite understand how Deshaun could get out of any wrongdoing in this situation, especially when Ezekiel Elliott was never charged with a crime and was, was given a suspension. Jameis Winston in another situation with just one female, not upwards of 20. I'm not here to judge Deshaun Watson. I'm not here to talk about the case that I know really nothing about. But what I will say is that the NFL's precedence for guys in these situations should tell us that he will not be a part of the team for week two unless there's some appeal and the suspension appeal gets this whole thing pushed down the road. Uh, it's it's just it's it, we're too far away from it. I don't know what it will ultimately look like in week two, but in my opinion, this is a team that is a a pretty disaster situation uh, with the quarterback who, before all the accusations happened, didn't even want to be there. So I think the Browns will be heavily favored at home in week two, gentlemen. Your thoughts, Steve? Start with you. Yeah, I mean, even if you take all the Deshaun stuff out, and I think we should, none of us should comment on it because we don't know anything about it. But you look at who they lost from last year and the dysfunction that's going on down there. It's a game that the Browns should win. Now, of course, you're going to run into the potential flat uh, letdown after Kansas City trap game, whatever phrase you want to use. You know, it's still the NFL. You know, you better show up every single week because everybody in the NFL can play and just about every game is decided by half a dozen plays or less. But I, I, I'm with you 100%. Assuming on paper everything plays out at least close to the way we think it's going to, it's a game they should win and probably should win rather handily. Cody, thoughts? You agree? No, you I concur? Could, yeah, I, I completely agree with, with what Steve just said. It's they could probably be without Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They've lost Andre Hopkins. They lost J.J. Watt. They're, they're in the dysfunction period of the Browns circa 2017, where it just seems like nobody's on the same page from, from the top down. Um, and regardless of what happens week one, say, say they lose, they're going to come in pissed off, ready to win. Same as Baltimore last year. If they win, you know, you're talking about you're going to start feasting on the stars to quote Oasis, if you will. Uh, that team's going to have the confidence to take down anybody at any time and it's prime territory for them to get the first home winner since geez when i was jacob we were probably in diapers the last time that happened i hate you both what well yeah that's i don't been, remember exactly what year it was but it was a long time ago it was a long time ago it was a long time ago um okay let's move on to week three uh we that 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 game i hope that game is the home opener with anticipation that we all thought tennessee would be uh, all those uh, two years ago and, and ultimately got ruined. Uh, but but I hope it works out better from a home opener standpoint. And maybe if they stun the Chiefs week one, that would be an absolutely unbelievable. And I think it will be an unbelievable environment anyway. But if they beat the Chiefs, whoa, Nelly. Uh, week two, we just talked about week three. Uh, there is a chance with Chicago Bears coming to Cleveland, a team I also think Cleveland should be far superior to. Starts Mr. Justin Fields, who uh, Steve predicted that, that, that the Bears should come up and, and get him. They did move up to get him in the draft show as we were as we were watching it live. There is a small chance that the former Ohio State quarterback could be the quarterback at this point. More likely to be Andy Dalton uh, this early in the season, especially with I think the Bears have Detroit the following week. 
uh, which would be a little bit easier defense to go up against from the outside perspective as far away as we are right now. But this is another game, guys, where I think the Browns have the superior talent. They have the coaching advantage. It should be a situation where the Browns are heading into it 2-0 and and leave 3-0 and or heading into it 1-1, and have a chance, nice chance to leave 2-1. and So I would say at this point they would be 2-1. and yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I very well could. Um, I said this as soon as they drafted him. With as hot as the uh, coaching and front office seats are in Chicago, I think the chances of field seeing the field early are are much better than they would be in some other situations. Um, that being said, uh, as we also have said, and we know from the past decade plus here in Cleveland, Andy Dalton may not be, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But he's good enough that if you don't show up and play, he can he can he's functional. He can beat you. So I, I don't I, I don't have their depth chart in front of me right now. I don't remember their offensive line being particularly fearsome. So I think regardless of who is back there uh, under center, they're going to have a long freaking day against uh, uh, what on paper should be a, a, a terrifying pass rush from the Browns. But, yeah, it would be interesting to see how Fields handles something like that early in his career, uh, especially after the fall. You want to talk about somebody that's got going into camp with a kip on his, uh, chip on his shoulder. Justin Fields got a giant chip on his shoulder, I'm sure. Yeah, that, that, the whether Justin Fields is the guy at that point is ultimately the most interesting thing. There are 320 of you in here, which is awesome. I'm glad you guys are hanging with us. It's really fun to talk about this schedule. Whether Justin Fields is the guy is going to be the most interesting thing. If it's Andy Dalton, I have not feared Andy Dalton for going on several years now. I will continue to not fear Andy Dalton. Justin Fields brings a completely different element of athleticism and arm talent to the quarterback position in Chicago. We'll see if they're ready to do it that early. I doubt it. Like I said, I lean week four, so I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah, I agree, too. I think as a Browns fan, you'd rather face Andy Dalton at this point, I think, than Justin Fields because you never know when that guy comes in, the new quarterback. Sometimes he brings a spark. I come back to when Brian Hoyer came in years ago, and all of a sudden he's lighting the world on fire for a handful of games. Um, you just never know what's going to happen when a different quarterback comes in, especially a guy with his athleticism that can hide the deficiencies of an offensive line like he can potentially do, as he did in college. Um, but this should be a good situation with the Browns are 2-1 and one at the worst heading into week four. Should be. That should be the goal. I think that's what they're probably, you know, an interior coaching staff wise, looking at best case, worst case scenario. That is, uh, that is the most likely thing here. And, um, you know, and the Bears do have, cha- I mean, they're going to challenge you. They have some wide receiver talent that I like. Obviously, Allen Robinson's a tough cover. They have, um, the, the defense with, with, this. they still have a, a threatening defense. They have plenty of guys. You know, Khalil is still a part of that defense, and, and Eddie Jackson's a part of the secondary. They, they're going through some transitions in the secondary. Their cornerback room's especially a problem, but. You know, for the most part, they, they should hang, but it should be a win. We'll talk week four now, which is the other, another NFC North uh, challenger, which is Minnesota, who is looking to bounce back in a big way. This is obviously, Steve, a connection to Kevin Stefanski, where he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the very end after John DiFilippo was, DiFilippo was fired. At the end of 2019, he took over his OC, almost gets hired by Cleveland, goes back, gets keeps his offensive coordinator role, has a good year, takes – uh, a pretty good offense to the playoffs there and, can, and against, I think they lost to the 49ers in San Francisco in the divisional round and then ultimately gets the Cleveland job. So this is not a, a uh, revenge game. It's, it's silly to me. It's just a reuni- It's a reuniting situation between Kevin and a place that was really good for him for like a decade. The Vikings took care of him and made him into who he is, right? 
Yeah, I don't. As far as I recall, there was no bad blood or animosity when he left. So revenge game doesn't. You know, I mean, maybe from the Minnesota side, maybe they were ticked that he left. I, I don't know. Um, so maybe from their side. But I think the key for this, again, is going to be how, how does our defense gel? And by week four, assuming health, they should be firing on most, if not all, of the cylinders. Because like we said, the offense, we're pretty sure we know what the Browns offense is going to be. Uh, and so this is one of those games where if they're if Minnesota is going to beat them, it's going to be a they're going to have to put up a thirty at least. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the case for the vast majority of the Browns opponents this year. Um, kind of not in the same category quite yet, uh, but in the same realm as when you play Kansas City, you just know you're going to have to score a ton of points because assuming everybody's healthy, uh, this offense is going to find the end zone and the red zone on a, on a frequent basis. So I think going to Minnesota this early um, before they have a chance to figure out some of their new guys and stuff like that, like we went through last year, is probably an advantage. But I think even if they are firing on all what the Vikings are going to be, all their cylinders this year. I still think on paper the Browns should win this game. Yeah, Cody, thoughts? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's a, it'll be another test for the defense, especially in that secondary, where they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, you know, matching up with Ward, Newsom, Troy Hill, et cetera. It's going to be a shootout, I, I would guess. And I think those storylines, like you said at this point, they're, they're mood points. Stefanski was there. He left on good terms. Like there's anything there. I'll say that I, I might catch some flack, but I'm, I'm a Kirk Cousins believer. I always have been. I think he's an upper echelon quarterback. So the Browns have to find a way to get towards him during the game with Clowney and Garrett. But another prime territory, another another excellent chance for victory on that game. Yeah, I think with Minnesota, the the interesting things are you talked about how how they cover Justin Jefferson, who's an electric electric receiver, electric rookie season, uh, and, and Denzel Ward or whoever. If Greg Newsom gets a crack at him, Adam Thielen's good. So can you can you give them enough fits? Can you pressure them enough? Uh, that, that it makes things challenging for them. They're going to start a rookie tackle, Christian Darisol. They did draft Kellen Mond. I don't think Kellen Mond will be a guy they see, but other picks that will matter. Maybe Wyatt Davis, the third-round pick out of Ohio State, matters a little bit. Chas Surratt is the linebacker from North Carolina they selected, who will probably have a little bit of a role uh, as they've struggled. I think they lost Eric Wilson, I believe. And, Je- and Je- was it was Jeff Gladney that's gone through like the uh, domestic assault situation in their yep. secondary, who is their best corner. So, I don't see any reason by which the Browns should not put plenty of points on the board. I think they get back Michael Pierce, uh, who former Raven, if you guys remember that defensive tackle, they 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 brought him in, but he opted out uh, last season. But but the Browns are too complete there. I think there's again they could lay an egg ultimately, and never know here. The caveat is always laying an egg or injuries or anything. You know, knock on wood. But but the, the, they're better. They're more complete. They have a, a much more thorough roster. And they should be able to win that game. The thing that is interesting to me, though, is they know Kevin well. They the, the Kubiak is no longer there. Gary Kubiak left, but his son has taken over. I believe has taken over their play calling duties. Um, so I, I, you know, they're going to know Kevin really well. His tendencies well on what he likes to do. And we know Zimmer is a really good defensive mind uh, as far as seeing him in this division for as long as we did. So those are all interesting little Minnesota reconnecting with Cleveland and Kevin and all of them, those types of connections. So that'll be a fun game. Let's move on to what I think is going to be a fun quarterback matchup. We did not see Justin Herbert last year. Uh, I didn't watch him a ton, but I watched him enough to know he was really good. And a trip out West coming off of a trip to Minnesota will be a challenge. I don't know if they'll go. Maybe they go straight out West. The idea, maybe they, they leave from, they leave straight from 
uh, LA or sorry, straight from Minnesota and go to LA. I don't know what they're going to do uh, at all there. So we'll see, but that would be an interesting thing because they, those trips from East coast to West coast, it typically doesn't work out very well for, for those teams. Where are you guys at Steve? Where are you at on this game? Are you going to, you're going to go to it, right? My friend. I, I am uh, going to be hitting up everyone in Hollywood that I know that has any kind of fame and influence and unashamedly <laughs> leveraging our friendship to try to get some VIP tickets and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, for anybody coming out, I can only fit about a dozen of you in my house. So book early. Um, but I did watch uh, being out here uh, and them being the local broadcast half the time. Uh, I watched a bit of Justin Herbert and he was impressive. Um, I mean, the Chargers are... They found a way to, to keep charging a lot last year, uh, but for a rookie especially, he gave them more chances to win in games that we didn't think they had than, than I was expecting. So can they keep it up? I mean, he's got weapons. Uh, the offensive line is a question mark. Uh, you know, you always wonder about the sophomore slump. Now teams have a year of, of film on him. We've got approved coverage in our defense, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's another one of those games where and I, we've said we're in week five and I think I've said this three times Browns should win, but if they don't show up, uh, you know, or think they can just throw their helmet on the field and win the game, chargers are, are plenty good enough to, to, to steal a W from them. Draft picks of interest that we liked. Rashawn Slater goes there, helps solidify their offensive line. Another, so two straight weeks of rookie starting tackles, I guess, Darisol and, and, and uh, Slater, by these points, could not be starting, but we'll presume that they are drafted that early in the first round. Asante Samuel Jr., who I know we like, Steve, mm -hmm. uh, is, is a second-round pick, pick 47. Josh Palmer, who got a late rise, who obviously went before Anthony Schwartz, was a quarterback struggling situation who, who people picked up on. They selected him, pick 77, to go with what is a nice wide receiver room there, uh, obviously. And then uh, Trey McKitty is their, their 97th pick. Uh, uh, tight end from Georgia. So Chris Rumpf, who I know our good friend Jeff Lloyd likes. So plenty of names there that we will be able to pay attention to from the rookie side of things. But it's a secondary that's also in transition. They lost some stalwarts that in that, that, that group, right? Um, Casey Hayward and uh, Desmond King over time. They, they're kind of reshaping their secondary. So that will be a fun West Coast battle. And then to me is one of the more intriguing teams to arrive in Cleveland this year, which is the Arizona Cardinals. Mm. Um, they obviously are just a unique NFL team and a similar uniqueness to, uh, I would say the Ravens because they have a quarterback that can run. And I know the Browns went out there in 2019 and gave them a good game, but they just run a unique offense. It's the NFL air raid spread stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's going to be a fun one. I'm sure there'll be a ton of really interesting data to look at with them at this point, but you know, the Cardinals drafted Zayvon Collins. They let Jordan Hicks he could go out and look for a trade today. So there's connection to Zayvon Collins. There's connection to a lot of different things here uh, with the Cardinals. J.J. Watt chose to go to the Cardinals before he passed on Cleveland, all that stuff. Uh, there's just a, It's just an interesting thing. The Cliff Kingsbury, Baker Mayfield dynamic. And it's a team we probably won't get to see come to Cleveland very often. So I would be interested in going to this game personally to watch it uh, up close and personal. Uh, yeah, Cody, before you head out, brother, let me know what you think of this one. Yeah, you can't have the nail in the head there. I think Baker kind of keeps that chip on his shoulder for, for his entire life in certain situations. So he definitely wants to take the beat down on Cliff uh, in week six. Um, I look at it like the two offenses are almost complete opposites of each other. You have one doing the spread, empty formations, 10 formations, and you have the Browns using 12 and 13. How's that going to match up with each other? Uh, how are yeah. the Browns going to contain Kyler Murray? I mean, they, 
they can't stop any running quarterback for years now. We've seen it with Jackson, and he can do the same thing. He's got a strong arm and weapons to go too. But um, another chance for victory. It'll be it'll be interesting in that game. A lot of storylines. That's one game I'd actually like to attend. Um, would be this mm-hmm. week six matchup. All right, brother. Thanks for yeah, joining us, Cody. Think- I'm gonna I'm gonna wish Cody well here. He's got to get out and head oh, out with the family all right. and all that, brother. Thanks for thanks for checking in. Thanks for putting together some some really good data that I think teaches a lot of people, uh, especially those confused about some of the people who are maybe not understanding the the swing one score games. It was it was very helpful, Cody. So we appreciate you, brother. Okay, thanks. take care, guys. See you. And I think uh, uh, sticking, yeah, on talk the, Cardinals. sticking on the Cardinals, man, uh, we talked about it draft night uh, after they took Rondell Moore. Not only do they run that, you know, spread, whatever you want to call it, offense, but they have the horses to do it now. I mean, you look at that wide receiver, Nuke, A.J. Green, who they signed in the offseason, Rondell Moore, and Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. And you've got um, uh, J.J. Watt joining um, uh, Chandler Jones. Um, Thank you, Chandler Jones. Uh, so they've got guys who can rush the passer. And they have, from a Browns draft standpoint, uh, uh, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, two guys that a large percentage of the fan base, at least the ones that hang out in my timeline, really, really wanted the last two years. So that'll be an interesting, uh, you know, maybe uh, revenge from a fan standpoint, something like that. But again, it, it, like we said when we were talking about the Chiefs game, the multiple defensive backs. They've got you know three or four uh, corners we can run out there now. We've got at least three safeties, four if you count JOK, mm-hmm. that can all cover. Um, and they're going to need every single one of them uh, because, like I said, this uh, this receiving core is stacked. And Kyler has shown that, yes, he's got questions. He's got holes in his game, and people have argued about him endlessly on social media. But one thing he can do is find ways to give himself time and find somebody open down the field. He's not somebody to take lightly. For sure. And they, like you said originally, their offensive line's a big question. It still remains a big question for them, but he escapes a lot of the pressure, right? He can make things happen outside of it. So it'll just be a fun game. That game's a little bit more coin flippy than we think it is. It's nice they're coming to Cleveland right. uh, instead of instead of us going out there. I think that will that will help, but uh, uh, tough to say. But I, I think that will be one of the more fun live games if you guys can make it to that game and max capacity is announced and all of that fun stuff. Uh, now we get to the Thursday night uh, lone primetime game of the year, which is the Browns welcoming in the Broncos. The Browns did not play the Broncos last year, which it felt like the Browns were playing the Broncos every single season before that. The Broncos quarterback situation is still one that I don't fear you know, I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot, but I, he's not a guy that evokes a ton of fear in me. And then, I, and I think Drew Locke is, you know, I just don't, I don't have, I don't have any belief in Drew Locke. I could not believe that they passed on Justin Fields personally uh, to take Sertan, who I think Sertan's a fine corner, and they definitely needed help in their secondary. But you know, I whatever. I just don't think that I don't really fear this team in Denver all too much. Although I like the guy you see there, I like Jerry Judy. They got pieces I like. I think ultimately. Uh, is it Javante Williams they took there in the second round? I think he's going to be a nice running back for them. They, they've got talent, but I thought they were a quarterback away. And look, before we see this game, there could be a quarterback from Green Bay that gets traded there. Who knows? So, you know, we'll, we'll, we still hate the Broncos over this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um... It feels like they've played them every year since I was about 15, and, and, and I still hold those grudges from the 80s, if you want to know how petty I can be on certain levels. Um, <laughs> we, but, yeah, I mean, who's playing quarterback? That's the key. If it's, if it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, then, then, of course, that completely changes the dynamic. If it's Aaron Rodgers and they don't have to give up much but draft picks, then it changes it even more. You know, Now, if, if they trade for Aaron Rodgers and it's, uh, you know, Bradley Chubb and Jerry Judy and, you know, name the guys plus draft picks. Well, then, you know, that doesn't scare me as much. But if you could if they can somehow slide 12 into the existing roster or at least, you know, the vast majority of the existing roster, they become a very frightening team. But with the existing group, I think you're right. Drew Locke, we still don't know what he is. He's still very young. Uh, he shows flashes. Uh, personally, I wasn't, a, I'm with you. I wasn't a big believer, uh, but you know, he's young. I, I, we've been wrong before Bridgewater is a, a yet another guy that, um, will take what you give him. If you don't show up, he's, he's good enough and smart enough and accurate enough to, to, to just pick Pecky to death. Um, but if you are on your game, I think, again, this is a game that the Browns should absolutely win. And it's a, I don't want to say a stroke of luck, but a, at least a, a check mark in the positive column that the Thursday night game is at home following another home game. So that's something, you know, they don't have to get on a plane and, and practice once and, you know, all the stuff about Thursday night games that people hate. At least they're home back-to-back games before this one. So, again, uh, I think we've said this just about every week except Kansas City. They should win it uh, on paper, I think. More talent. There's there's a more complete talent structure in place, in my opinion. And 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 hopefully, hopefully that game has the Browns sitting at something like uh, – you know, a four and two, five and one when they arrive, because that would be a raucous, raucous environment. And I want Browns fans after missing out, so many of you missing out on last year's environment and in, in, in the winning football team to get to experience that and actually be a stadium that swings games. I think right. that's important. The, the, the stadium can get so loud, it can change the dynamic of games. So should be a really fun one there with Denver. We'll look forward to that one. So moving on, at this point, I think the Browns, after seven games – in my opinion, five and two. I think they have some favorable games in the first seven. I think, I think I that's think reasonable. I'm being crazy. I don't think I'm being crazy. They're five and two, minimum four and three. Uh, if they come out any lower than four and three, it's going to be a what's right. going on, what happened kind of thing. Not panic because it's a long season, uh, but but I'm sure there will be tons of people panicking. And then we finally get to see in week eight. The good old Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in just the midst of the weirdest transition between what they were to what they will be, and we don't know what they will be because you saw early in the year they had this quick passing game that was really effective with their wide receivers, and Ben's getting rid of the football quickly, and it was working, and then it wasn't working when teams started to challenge them and put people in those guys' faces and make Ben hang in the pocket and challenge that offensive line. 
you're on the other side of the spectrum, Steve, where you think they've done enough to fix some of their offensive line issues. I am still, I think it's going to be, I like the guys they added. I definitely like Kendrick Green, but banking on some of those guys early to be what we think they can be. And, 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 and you know, Ben's a challenging quarterback to block for. It's just, to me, there are issues with their offensive line. Even liking Najee Harris, I like him, but but taking him in the first round, it's just like, you know, Devin Bush is coming back from an ACL. I just don't I'm not as I'm not worried about Pittsburgh. Maybe they come in. I haven't looked at Pittsburgh's schedule, but maybe they come in with a pretty good record too. But uh overall I'm not totally worried about Pittsburgh. And it's weird to say because we've just been brutalized by them for so long, but um I think it's going to be, it's got to be, if you, the Browns have to go in, the, they got to beat Pittsburgh twice. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And I think I should clarify. Uh, it's not that I think they did enough on their offensive line. It's just that I saw in the immediate aftermath of the draft, a lot of people piling on saying they didn't do anything. They neglected yeah. it, you know, because yeah. their first two picks were a running back and a tight end. Oh, they didn't do anything. Well, they didn't do anything right off the top, but the two guys that they did pick, I liked them both. Um, yeah. So uh, I, 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 I just wanted to clarify that. I, I, I'm not afraid of them either. I, I think the Browns on paper should go in and win this game. Um, uh, but, A, w- there's a lot of question marks over there. And because it's the Steelers, they just have a history of answering all those questions in a positive manner. They're just, as much as we can't stand them, they crank out a good product year after year after year after year. And there's reasons for that. So there's always going to be that underlying Crap, it's the Steelers. They, you know, they just plug guys in at, at linebacker. They just plug guys in at, at tight end, and they just go off. And as far as Ben goes, I'm with everybody. I get it I, totally. Last year was – I think he was exposed. But it was also – he came back after a year off last year with a serious elbow injury. So was last year – was he not 100%? And is he 100% this year? Now, he's almost 40 I, I'm not saying I fear that he's going to get back to prime Ben. I don't think that's possible at his age after uh, an injury like that. But is he going to be better than he was last year, healthier and more confident and all that kind of stuff, closer to the Ben that we remember? It's possible. Um, and until I – the Steelers are kind of like, to me, they're in that realm of when you see a guy on The Walking Dead disappear, but you haven't seen The Walker yet. Until you see him as a walker, I don't believe he's dead. And that's kind of the, what I'm, the tack I'm taking with the Steelers. I think they're dead, but until I see the Steelers as a walker, I'm not going to believe they're dead. Maybe that's just the Browns fan in me believing the worst at all times. But, you know, I, I mean, there's a reason that they've had three head coaches in 50 years. It's because they, they run a quality organization, uh, you know, from the inside out. So it's never a team you can take lightly. Uh, but I'm with you on everything that you said. On paper, assuming health, this is a game that the Browns absolutely 100% should win both here and there. Yeah, it's it's getting rid of some of those old feelings, right? Where Ben has absolutely. dominated Cleveland for so long that it's like you, you think like, man, this is a there's no, but it's like, okay, do I really feel that way? Right. Should I feel that way? You start to question yourself a little bit, but they should. They're more talented. Right. They have the ego. They have the edge. A bunch of these guys who weren't here for the struggles against Pittsburgh don't view them the way that we as fans view them. They view them as a team that they should beat and, and hopefully continue to beat. And the Steelers are on the brink, like you said, the brink of a franchise altering season where if right. they go seven and 10, six and 11, they're going to blow it up. They're going to fire Tom when they're going to start from scratch and Ben will be gone and they're going to look for a quarterback. That's the outcome we all want. I want Pittsburgh. It's coming because they can't, 
barring some stupid trade, somebody gives them a quarterback. The, the, this it's just hard to see them just fixing quarterback quickly if Ben is going downhill as quickly as we think he's going downhill. So I'll never count Pittsburgh out until I see them out. But it it is truly, 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 truly when they when their season ended with the four losses and then the uh, the playoff just the the absolute no show in the playoffs. You could feel it. You could feel mm-hmm. the tension in their franchise about where this is going, despite winning twelve games where this was going. So we will see what it shakes out to, but the Browns should should win that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see because they're not a team over uh, historically that trades a lot in the draft. They don't make a ton of trades in the season. They got Fitzpatrick a a couple of years ago. But they're kind of a team that wants to stick with what they've got and just get the best out of what they got. So it will be interesting to see if, and who knows if this will happen, they start off uh, two and five, you know, uh, uh, one and four, something like that. If they reverse that course and start trying to blow it up, start, you know, mm-hmm. start trying to, to have a fire sale because it, it's a very un-Pittsburgh thing to do. It's like the opposite of how that they have operated since I have been on this earth the last 50 years. But if that, I think it's realistic, you know, I think it's definitely a realistic possibility for them to start slow. I haven't looked at their whole schedule yet. I don't know how it felt for them, but if, if they were to start two and five or something like that, would they do that? Would they reverse decades of Steelerdom of not doing things like that and try to sell off some pieces to get some draft picks? I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. They're reaching that decade long, no Super Bowl thing. And it's like, they're starting to be rumbling. So we will see. It's just, it's, it's, it's fun to watch them from afar deal with that stuff. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Week nine brings the Bengals. It's a, it's a late arrival for a division team. By this point in time, will Joe Burrow be completely Joe Burrow again? I don't, the Bengals are the opposite of the Steelers for me, Stephen. Let me tell you how I think about that. I think the Bengals are going to be bad until they show me they're not going to be bad. You know, until they prove that the that the moves they made defensively were wise, that these linebackers that have, they have drafted have have any value. None of them have played well. Uh, that they have made the right move, letting Howard walk and letting Dun and Dun letting Dunlap and letting Lawson all leave. Is it smart? You know, we like some guys they drafted. We like Joseph. Sy- Obviously, Jamar Chase is, has a chance to be a problem in the NFL. But I also don't fear him from the guys we have to match up with him. And, and, I, and I think the Browns bolstered their secondary to handle those types of players. And they did not do great things. I'm not a believer in Jackson Carmen. The Riley Rife is one of their tackles. I'm not a believer in that player. Like I think the Browns have a chance to eat them alive from a pass rush standpoint. Now, finally, with the secondary, this has been my talking point the entire offseason, with a secondary's basement that was raised to a competitive standpoint that they can actually cover people to give those guys, those hogs up front, a chance uh, to get home and, and get after the quarterback. Not two steps from Miles makes a move and the ball is out. No, give him a chance to long arm and bull rush somebody and, and or bend that corner. And, you know, with Clowney doing his thing and Tack doing his thing and, and uh, you know, the, these the, the, the interior guys trying to step in, make, I think there's a chance that, it could all work out, and Cincinnati just—I don't fear them until I see them put it all together. They could, just like Pittsburgh, could ultimately be a team that folds. I think I need to see Cincinnati become what they're ultimately becoming. I have questions about Joe Burrow still. People think Joe Burrow's this like lock as a good player. I think right. Joe's fine. I think he's okay, but he did not prove anything down the football field. And you can blame it on his wide receivers. That's fine, but they didn't really make a ton of changes at wide receiver. They have back two of the three important players they have back at the position are the same 
guys. I mean, Jamar helps, but Jamar's not a burner burn. Like, I just don't love Joe Burrow's downfield attacking, you know? So I need to see Joe prove that he can use deep portions of the field uh, before I really start to truly fear Joe Burrow. And I think the Browns have better players to handle some of his annoying scrambling tendencies than they did last year, too. I think absolutely. Uh, I agree with everything you said. And and from looking at it on paper from a matchup standpoint, he's going to have to equal what he did last year and then some because the losses they have on defense and the guys they brought in, unless they all exceed what we think they can do, we're going to put up some serious points on them. It's going to be a pinball machine uh, right there. And it, Joe Burrow's obviously, as as is the case with any quarterback, but especially a guy you take number one overall, he's the key to the whole thing. But in his particular case, the key to him, I think a large part of the key to him is did they do enough up front? I, I And I'm with you. I don't think they did unless, you know, Jonah Williams and, and Riley Reif and all these guys that you mentioned uh, play much better than they have shown. Um, I, I don't think it really matters what he does because he's just going to get killed again, you know? Um, so especially like you said, with the, with the improved pass rush at the Browns, uh, have have uh, put on on the field at least on paper. So it, it's an inner division game. It's always you know, it's it's never a game you can count lightly. You got to show up when you're playing in your division because you know familiarity breeds contempt and all those other cliches. But like we keep saying over and over, this is a game that the Browns should win. I think on paper they, these are two double digit wins if if the Browns show up. And play the way they can, and the def- the defensive additions play stay healthy and play the way we think they're going to, and gel, and all those other buzzwords that we use. Uh, now, by this time in the season, we'll have a much better answer on that. And if the defense is struggling again, like it did last year, then who knows? You know, but I don't think they're going to. I think they've got the horses uh, to do all the things they want to do that they simply didn't have the personnel to do last year. And when you're looking at a team like the Bengals that lacks elite weapons and lacks elite protection, even if Joe Burrow turns out to be the guy, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that they have enough around him just yet to compete with on paper anyway, with, with a team like the Browns. And I don't think they have the answer at head coach still. I just don't think that that Zach Taylor is the guy for them long-term. I just don't see it. But, you know, like I said, the, the Bengals could surprise. I think like I, I've tried to point out with Pittsburgh, it would be, in, in my mind, the way I've always thought about Pittsburgh, it would be a surprise to see them truly flounder. It would be a surprise to see Cincinnati find big success by Fair. week nine in the season. So they could very well could but you know and the Browns too I'll say this Steve as we're talking because you you brought this up a couple times rightfully so which is the Browns can't just show out roll out the pads and play like they've got to show up week to week and most teams every team in the league does if a team lays an egg they're losing in this league we think the Browns are going to be pretty good we think they have a ton of talent we'll see if when the Browns don't play their a game if they're able to beat teams in the NFL the Chiefs the Bills last year were doing it uh, obviously Tampa Bay was sometimes able to do it, although they dropped quite a few regular season games where it's like, did they really lose that game? So th- you you really need to see Cleveland. Man, they only played a B game, but they won. They did right. some of it last year. I think the Texans game, the Eagles game, there were some games where I didn't think they played their best, but they won. You need to see them continue to do that before you really feel like great about them not playing their best game and still being able to come out on top. So that's just a little caveat to what I... Yeah, and I think just just to jump on and and add to that, I I, I keep saying that. It's not that I uh, fear them being lackadaisical or fear them. That's not what I'm saying. I think they have the right guys from the top down. 
that are, hold each other accountable, hold themselves accountable, and they're working their asses off. You know, I'm not saying that I, I think they're going to come out and think they can. I, I just keep bringing that up because, like you said, if you don't show up, anybody in the, anybody in this league can beat you. I mean, the the, the, the uh, Bengals with the who was their quarterback last year in that Thursday night game where they they beat the snot out of the Steelers. It ended up being like a seven point game, but they they were up like twenty one to three or something like that. I can't remember, and, and that's because the Steelers didn't show up. And so yeah. in the in the NFL, you just can't do that. Now, can you like you said, can you show up with your B game and still get away with it once or twice a year against an inferior opponent? Yes, you can do that. And I think the Browns are at a talent level where they could do that if they wanted to. Obviously, I don't want them to, and I don't think they're going to. So I don't want to sure. – the fact that I keep bringing that up, I don't want it to come off as I'm afraid of that or I think they've got head cases in the locker room. I think actually the complete opposite. But it's something that you have to note in this league. You do. You just have to – we've seen the Browns lose too long to ever just feel like if they don't show up from a mental, physical standpoint, they're just going to beat teams. It happened sometimes under our nose last year where maybe we didn't even notice it, that they were winning some of those games that they didn't play well, but they they, they can't – I can't mentally get there yet. I need to see more consistent winning uh, before I start to think to myself they can overcome – uh, coaching blunders or player blunders and consistently come back from those sorts of things. So it could happen. They, they could, they could easily get there this year. I said it on the pod the other day. Note, and I'm, I'm sorry, we're only on week 10, but this is just, these are good talking points. No team wins the Super Bowl without first being a paper team. It just is a fact. You have to have talent. So yeah, the Browns have not proven it. They're only a team on paper right now. All the cliches I get, but you have to be a paper team to ever become a Super Bowl team. There are all those things you have to add, the elements of team chemistry, health in with your, you know, health over the long term, all of it. Things breaking your direction. I get it. But you have to be a paper team first. And they are finally a paper team. And that's not us talking ourselves into it. Right. There's been years, Steve, where we have talked ourselves into this thing. <laughs> yes, like, we have. I could see it. Man, all right, if Kaiser comes along, man, I could really see this happening. <laughs> you know, Hey, maybe if, if Greg Robinson if Greg Robinson can hold right. up again this year and Chris Hubbard. No, we're not talking ourselves into it. There is real talent everywhere. So it's just a matter now of then taking the coaching success we saw last year, parlaying it to the team with people that have experienced what happened in 2019, those rough patches, et cetera. And this is how we the, the 2020 team figured out how to get there. Now take the team that understands what happened in 19, the work it takes in 2020. And this is why we think they should be really good. And yeah. that's where we're going to welcome in Barry McBride right now too, Mr. Web Dork live. How are you, my friend? Hey boss. I am doing just great. Just great. Uh, big day for the Browns, big day for the OBR. It's all good, man. Good man, good. Well, we're we're like nine and zero. We're nine weeks in. Obviously, they're nine and zero at this point in our mind. So I don't know what you're thinking, but we're but, resting uh, starters. We're resting. Yes, starters we're resting starters. I, I think we're at seven and two, seven and two, or six and three, right around that area right yeah. now. Which I think is a fair assumption uh, based on based on the talent who they had. The early portion of the season I think sets up favorably. Now start to get into week ten. It gets interesting. T- ten and then week eleven dips, but then it gets real dicey. Week twelve on, you got to be you got to be your best. I mean, listen, the Patriots are going through a Patriots rebuild. They're they're going to bring back Cam Newton. We all know that they weren't the most successful offense last year. Uh, Cam's arm is not Cam's arm of the past, and but they love him there still. They did draft Mac Jones. Maybe he ultimately takes over. Who knows? Uh, but I I you never feel good about going into New England and winning. I don't I don't know when that stigma will ever go away for New England, especially with Bill still there. But the Browns are better. They should win this game. 
They, they, there is not a doubt in my mind, but there is still that guy in that picture right there. He is the cover of the team still because he is the best coach that we have ever seen in this league, and he can scheme it up at any point and find a way to beat you. So the Browns will have to be on their, you know, on their best game to win. And going into, into New England in, in Week Ten, which is probably like November, it could be dicey weather. They went there. What was that? Twenty nineteen guys, and it was pouring rain. It was disgusting. Nick Chubb fumbles twice. Like just rare things like that were happening. So uh, still got to prove you got to prove you can do this thing, Steve. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the most interesting thing. Well, the two most interesting things about playing the Patriots. One is always what's Bill going to do because he can do anything at any time and make it work. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's not just. You know, if you remember, you probably don't, uh, but Barry, you remember back in the 80s, wiki-wacky Sam Weish. You never knew what he was going to do, but half the time the stuff that he did didn't work. Bill tries weird stuff, and it always freaking works. So that's the interesting part. But the other interesting part, I think, is going to be who's under center. Because depending on who you believe, they got the guy they wanted in Mac Jones. And uh, Cam Newton, yes, they did bring him back, and yes, they've said all the right things, and yes, they do like him. And I think he got a raw deal last year. But they gave him... Uh, what's the word? Stopgap money. He didn't get star quarterback money. He got good money. They didn't give him backup money or anything, but he didn't get, you know, we're committed to you money. So by week 10, especially if they're, you know, five and four, four and five, you know, scuffling along again, is Mac Jones the guy at this point? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But like you said, I think the key is, you know, assuming health and all those things we keep saying, another game, the Browns should go in if they have their head screwed on, on right and come out of it with a W. I have them losing this game. Uh, I'm uh, cut his mic. Have, yeah, he's out. <laughs> Get him out. <laughs> I have not been uh, uh, able to watch the entire thing. So, uh, which two two games do you have them losing today? Uh, we had them losing to the Chiefs. Just kind of a mm-hmm. play it safe, and then. Uh, what other game did we have them dropping? We had uh, I had one more in there. I, I don't think we remember. picked a specific game, but we gave them like okay, one di- one week it doesn't go right or something like, like Arizona. That, right? I could see them Arizona, Arizona. or or um, you know Minnesota. Chargers. Chargers. Chargers is a tough one going to the West Coast, so I think you would most likely say Chargers and one of Chargers Arizona and then Kansas City Week One. Right. I had. Uh... Looking at the schedule so far, I said Kansas City and the Chargers were going to be two very difficult games. And I just said, look, you know, maybe on paper we're better than the Chargers, but we're playing at their place mm-hmm. and the ball is going to bounce the wrong way a couple times a year. It right? will be a home game, though. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Even though they're well, in. It is a home game. You're right. <laughs> Even though they're in California. Are there really any Chargers fans? You know, <laughs> and, you know? So, and SoCal Browns backers is one of the biggest chapters it's in the country. Huge, so. and you're going to be there, yeah. so they can't lose when you're there. So they have you know. plenty of times we, in the past, have, but okay. <laughs> we, we, we have taken over their 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 stadium in the past. That that is for sure. Uh, but uh, with New England, you know, major changes on this team over the off season. Uh, they fixed a lot uh, a lot of roster holes that they had. And uh, Bill Belichick has 10 weeks to get them together. Going to Gillette Stadium, I don't know. On paper, yeah, the Browns have a better roster. Uh, I just don't have a good feeling about this game, and I had it marked down as a loss. Taking them to it's, a, it's a it's a very big sleep game candidate, especially if they come in seven and two, something like that, feeling good about themselves and forgetting that mm-hmm. oh yeah, that guy and that team, they're going to always be prepared, even if they're not the most talented. 
even if they have 14 tight ends on the roster, they're going to be, they're going to be prepared. So, so at that point we would say uh, if they, if we said they lost this game, they would be seven and three uh, coming uh, week 11, they would play Detroit. Um, You know, uh, it would be a Detroit team that I don't think is going to be very good. Uh, I don't see how they win a ton of football games. Penae Sewell is a fine pick. I thought they should have moved down and added more because I don't think they're very good. I mean, it's Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff's okay, but he was helped out a lot by Sean McVay. And is he going to get those benefits anymore? If you lose this game, you're not a serious Super Bowl contender. Uh, you, they're just they're just not very good yet in Detroit. They could get there. They could gnaw off enough kneecaps in the next two years uh, to ultimately get there. But but I don't. Neither, neither of you guys laughed at that joke. I thought that would be really good. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I don't think they're good. And the Browns should win this game. They're at home. They should win it. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at the, the defense from last year, and then, uh, I mean, maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but I don't remember them bringing in anybody, anyone of impact uh, on the defense. Maybe I'm forgetting something. So, again, this is another one of those games where if the Browns show up and are even remotely healthy and have their heads screwed on even three-quarters of the way right, they're going to put up 30-plus. Um, now, you know, maybe Goff finds some of that magic he had, uh, a game or two here or there, and where he would light it up for 45 points in, in L.A. But um, that, other than that, other than him just going off, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't see how they lose this game. Thanks for laughing, Luke. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, now, now it gets interesting, right? So, Barry, you agree they go, what are they? They would be eight and three at this point. Eight and three. In yeah. our hypothetical thing here, which is still – I'm going to make another caveat. This is silly. It's just hypothetical. Oh, yeah. It's just, there's so many variables that change by this time of the year, but whatever. Uh, week 12 is where it gets interesting. They have this weird schedule quirk where they go to Baltimore for Sunday night football, have a bye week, week 13, and then get them all over again on week 14. Now, as we mentioned earlier, when we talked about this off the air and we talked about it when Lane was lucky enough to send us the schedule hours and hours before this, we could not find any evidence. This could have been pointed out by the NFL by now. Smarter people, Elias Sports Bureau, whoever, that, that, that a team like Cleveland has played a, the same team back to back. Now, I know they have a buy sandwich in between, but like it's just very weird. It's extremely weird to see this. It'll be, I'm sure the Browns are talking about how strange it is, but I thought earlier, and I'll, I'll repeat my sentiments, I think it's a good thing, especially playing a weaker team like Detroit, being able to beat Detroit and then prep. For a week to place to face Baltimore in their weird system, get another bye week and practice week to 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 again watch the film, look at the wrinkles, prepare for that weird system, and get them again and get it out. Be done with it. Be done with them. Potentially, could see them in the playoffs. You guys get that, but like, I think it's okay. It's weird, but it's okay. I think if you could split these two, I'd feel really good about it. If you could split them, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. In my uh, Nostradamus-like prognostication of the future, uh, I view these teams as being very, very close. Uh, the Browns have geared up to stop the Ravens. Uh, remember, the Ravens just pounded us the first game last year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think these teams are close enough that you go into this expecting a, a home-and-home split. And if we don't get it, then uh, – we're not ready to win the AFC North. We're not ready to win the Super Bowl, but we certainly, uh, I, I think, you know, on paper, <clears throat> the Browns should at least split this series. 
I'm with you. And uh, it, for anybody that wasn't with us earlier, and Barry, I'm not sure if you heard, but Jake made a very good point. Uh, because I had said that, you know, um, it's basically three consecutive weeks that it's Ravens week. And the bad blood, by the end of that third week, it'll be like the end of an NHL hockey uh, playoff series. You just want to drop the gloves and go at it. And the Ravens make you want to do that with one week of preparation. So from that standpoint, it could be uh, brutal. Uh, there'll be a lot of hitting, especially in the second game. But Jake brought up the point that with their system, it's kind of like prepping for Navy or Air Force or you know Georgia Tech most of the past. And that triple option where you – if you have one week to get used to it, they I mean, boy, a death by a thousand paper cuts. They, they'll just crush you. But if you had played them opening week of the college season, as Jake brought up, then you got all summer to prepare for them. And so from that standpoint, especially the second week, now you should be able to play assignment football, which is what you have to do to beat Lamar Jackson. Yes, it's nice that they have multiple defensive backs now, especially at the safety position, who are fast enough and big enough to chase him down, quote-unquote. Yes, that is great. But the way you beat him is by taking away his options when he gets out, uh, when he first breaks the pocket and tries to find Mark Andrews, because that's his first instinct every single time. And then you play sound assignment football, and they've got the horses to do that this year. Um, and they just simply didn't last year. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see because they lost a couple guys on defense, and this once the offense got rolling here by the end of this, the season last year, we put up a ton of points against them. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can slow us down. Um, and obviously it's going to be interesting if we can slow them down. But with the horses this year, I really think it's I – mean, like Jake said, it's really silly because anybody could be hurt and things can change between – especially by the end of the season like this. I think they have the best chance to go 2-0 and against the Ravens this year that they have had. No, probably yeah. probably since the return, and, and it's sure. not unrealistic. I think they've got the horses on both sides of the ball to potentially. I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying the Ravens suck or you know all that kind of stuff that fans like to do. They could conceivably beat them twice, and it wouldn't be a, a stunning upset or anything like that. It's not. It's not because they're good enough on paper, and you, you don't get to, I'll say you don't get to being a good team until the paper says you're good enough and they have that now so it's not crazy it's genuinely not I'm not asking for this 2007 the 17 version team to beat that that's not that wasn't real right like, even even 19 and even last year with how bad their defensive personnel was it just wasn't this is a very realistic outcome it might go the other way you mm -hmm. never know but it's real that they could beat them so we're playing it safe. We'll call them nine and four at this point, and they head into a really important stretch. and uh, And I do, I do genuinely think we've been playing it relatively, you know, relatively safe. Mm -hmm. Calling it, calling it nine and four, not being crazy. So uh, the 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 stretch from week fifteen on, with the additional game, gets extremely interesting to me because they have a payback game here uh, that that will come up pretty quickly uh, as they is the Raiders come to Cleveland for the second season in a row. I thought the Browns were better than the Raiders last year. I think the wind truly benefited them. I mean, their defense in the secondary is atrocious, and the, nobody could throw the football in that game. I think Stefanski, even in the midst of the Eagles game and the Texans game, which were ugly, said the Raiders' wind, the wind in that game was just un unparalleled to anything he's ever seen so they couldn't throw the ball effectively and they missed a couple opportunities if you guys recall that Jarvis Landry catch in the corner that we thought was a touchdown that was ultimately overruled on a very very minor glance of the ground in the football but Liz I I think the Browns are better I still think the Raiders made a bunch of wonky picks I just I don't see how the Raiders are any any 
I mean, they like Trevon Merrick. There's some okay things that there, but like who the, they, they took Leatherwood in the first round. I just don't see. I'm not afraid of the Raiders, and they should beat them. I think they should be a ten and four team after this game, especially hosting a Las Vegas team traveling to the East Coast again. Yeah, I don't and think if you think back, not only all that stuff that you said, the multiple drops, several of them in scoring range, several of them in the red zone, uh, but they were also missing both Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb for that yeah. game. And, and as important as Wyatt Teller was, I said it at the time, and I took some heat for it because everybody wants to argue offensive line versus running back. If Nick Chubb plays that game, they win that game because there were several things that stand out in my mind, especially in the first half where the cutback lanes that Nick is so good at seeing were wide open. And, and Kareem, as well as much as he gives to us, his game is face forward. He, he doesn't have the same level of cutback vision and cutback ability that Nick has. Yeah. And there were a, at least two that I can think of off the top of my head where had Nick been in the game, even without Wyatt Teller. 15, 20, 25, maybe he breaks it for one of those 70-yard runs that he likes to do. It was right there, and it's just not something that Kareem does on Nick's level. So they, they absolutely should have won that game, but you know, give credit to the Raiders. They always come in and give us fits in our place, always, as long as I can remember. And so, again, it's another game that if they show up, they should win, but they better show up. Yeah, at this point in the season, injuries play a huge role, right? I mean, uh, the caveat with all of these games is that, you know, at this point, Baker Mayfield is still healthy, right. knock on wood, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, injuries, of course, can play a huge role. But Las Vegas last year, you know, I hate to say that they got lucky, but they got they were very fortunate with the circumstances that they played the Browns. It's not going to happen two years in a row. This one's a W. It's got to be. It's got to be for where they're going, uh, where they want to go, and 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 uh, they're better. As we sit here, everything even, they're better. They should win this game at home, East Coast, West Coast. They should win it. So uh, that puts them ten and four going into. Is is this Green Bay? Yeah, it is Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough. It's tough going. If nothing changes with Green Bay, and we 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 think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be there, it's tough to go to Lambeau and win this time of year. They're still very good, whether Rodgers' mood swings end, whatever. They're still very good. Uh, I don't love saying it, but I think this is one that you have to consider it a loss until it's not, and I would probably bank on it being that way. They could win. I'm not saying it's impossible for the Browns to go into Lambeau and win. No, they could win. They could go up there and dominate them. I still think that they have the ability to dominate any team. But, um, yeah, anyway, I think they'll lose this game, be 11-5. and five. Uh, one of my alpha game, ten and five. Sorry, ten and five, right? Right. My alpha yeah, game. This is so stupid. Ten and five. I hate this extra game. Yeah, ten and five yeah. at this point. I think is the, where they're at after this game. So being careful again. Yeah, and I think I agree with everything you said. It's fair, you know. Um, it, it, assuming the Packers come back as the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays, you know, like Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody, I don't think Kansas City at full health could say, we're definitely going to go into Green Bay and win. Nobody can say that. It's a tough, tough place to go win a game, especially, in, you know, and it, maybe it's not actually prime time, but it's going to be a national broadcast. For all intents and purposes, it's a prime time game. It's really hard to go into Lambeau and win. So uh, they could, and boy, would it be great. And, you know, if, if both teams play the way we think they're going to, as we said before, Jake, it's going to be hyped up as, you know, potential Super Bowl match, you know, preview, all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be fun to be in one of those games. We haven't been in one of those games in, in decades. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, 
I think they can, but I'm, I certainly wouldn't put any money on it. Not my money anyway. I might bet Barry's money, but I'm not going to bet my money on it. Yeah. It's not much of a bet. Um, <laughs> I, would, I, I would say a lot of this is going to depend on the weather, right? I mean, yep. if it's cold and wintry and snowy in there, then it becomes a running game. Then it becomes our offensive line imposing their will. Uh, we got a chance, right? But if Packer and the, the Packers and Rodgers make up and everything is hunky-dory by this point in the season, I would go into this, you know, expecting the Packers to be favored and, uh, you know, marking it off at this point as an L. But uh, I agree with you that it's certainly a possible W. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can hope for the best. But at this point, I'd say they're 10 and 5. Yep, 10 and 5. And I think that's fair. Again, they could be better than this. Or if injuries happen and things get weird, they could end up being – Worse, I, 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 we don't know. This is just on paper talking, but I have no reason to think they won't be pretty good and be pretty good by week 16 and be 10 and five is a safe bet at this point, in my opinion. So they have two division teams left. They have at uh, a Monday night football game at Pittsburgh at this point. I, I, I go back to what we said earlier. This year is a must sweep Pittsburgh season because I think at this point now, how many times I'll add this little pet caveat uh, to, to, to what I mentioned earlier about Pittsburgh. How sweet would it be if after all those years of seeing Browns play Pittsburgh at the end of the year and fire a head coach the Monday or Tuesday after, <laughs> if the Browns were the team that buried Mike Tomlin and had them be the reason they fired Mike Tomlin? I'm just living in fantasy land. That'd be so awesome because of all of the all of the things we've seen. But at this point, the Steelers could be a mess. They could be okay. They could be okay. But they could be a mess, and it could be a time, you know, a thing, a loss on Monday Night Football, getting embarrassed by Cleveland on on a big stage, could be a situation where they start to feel like, okay, we got to we got to do something new, and they could they could end up pulling the plug. So again, you got to sweep Pittsburgh this year. That's just where I'm at with it. They're not the Browns are right there with the Ravens to be the best team in this division. Pittsburgh is not there, in my opinion. So they better they better handle Pittsburgh twice. Yeah, I mean everything we said about the earlier matchup remains you know did they do enough on the offensive line I, I think they did more than some people are giving them credit for but did they do enough I don't know I think we'll we'll know by this point we'll definitely know uh mm -hmm. if they're this if they're the Steelers again and trying to ride off into the sunset then it's going to be a rather frightening matchup I don't think that's going to happen I think at this point they're going to be uh, maybe on the fringes of the playoff chase and uh, being the team, even if we can't get their coach fired, if we could be the team that eliminates them, that would be pretty fun. But again, I think more than anything else, just the mental aspect of, you know, uh, I think last year they thought they could win. I think this year, by this point, especially, hopefully they will expect to win, which is a totally different mindset. And if they have reached that, then this is definitely a game they should go in. And I don't know if easy is ever going to be the right word with the Steelers, but they should win easy. Well, Juju Smith-Schuster is saying that he can't wait to win the uh, Super Bowl uh, now that they drafted Najee Harris. Uh, given Juju's track record, uh, I would say that the Pittsburgh Steelers are pretty much doomed uh, this year. I don't expect Ben Roethlisberger to be uh, – in good health by the end of the year, given the offensive line. Uh, I don't expect uh, that their defense is going to play, going to play at nearly as high a level uh, this next year. Uh, I am uh, really down on the Steelers this year, but maybe that's just wishful thinking because I'm not very fond of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but uh, I think this is a W unless uh, the Cleveland Browns are uh, 
just on a glide path. And I don't think they will be. I think with the Chiefs and the, the Ravens and the AFC, the Browns are going to be playing pretty hard all the way through 17 games. And the Bills, yeah. And yep, Bills, yeah. Absolutely, yep. So that leaves weeks uh, now week 18, which is weird to say. They will, uh, at this point, I think they go – no, they host Cincinnati or do they go to Cincinnati? I can't remember what it was earlier in the I year. I think this is the home game, I think. This is the home game. Okay, so yeah. I think, again, got to sweep Cincinnati this year. No reason to think they won't. They are the better football team all around at this point in time as we sit here, all things even. Again, I sound like a broken record, but – they should beat Cincinnati, and they should finish 12-5. and five. And fighting for the division title, that might be good enough to win the division at home uh, as maybe – I know I know the Ravens have a more difficult schedule because the Ravens face the second finishing team from the rest of the conference, and I've looked at the Ravens' schedule, and especially the Ravens having weeks 13 and 14 – sorry, 12 and 14 with the Browns, but also they don't get a buy in the middle. They're sandwiched with Pittsburgh in the middle of that stretch. So they're going to have a challenge there. So I think they go 12 and 5 and either win a tiebreaker over Baltimore or Baltimore finishes 11 and 6 and they outright win the division. I don't know if that will be good enough for a bye week, but they will host their first playoff game uh, since – 95. 95. That was the year that, yep, that's the last time they hosted. So I'm excited. It's 12 and 5. And I think we, again, I think we didn't really pull any upset games there. And I think we are generous about giving them some losses that they maybe, that they maybe not, they might not end up with. So again, could 13 and 4 be realistic? Of course, you know, but, but I think 12 and 5 is the right target number. It's a one more win than last year type of situation and I think they could definitely get there and I think that the goal would be host a playoff game and let the chips fall where they may from there yeah I think uh, uh, on paper assuming health they're at 12 and 5 is what they should be so with the way the oddly shaped football bounces in this league anywhere from 11 and 6 to 13 and 4 is realistic you know assuming health you know if wacky stuff happens then you know who knows and that's why this Doing these kind of predictions as May is always kind of, in May is always kind of silly because you know I mean half, half the league get hurt uh, in uh, in July in camp so we're way out over our skis here but this is what we do you know so on paper I think twelve wins is more than realistic um, I think hosting a playoff game is as close to expected as you can get without sounding arrogant about it um, and anything less than that would be. Um, disappointing in some ways. Um, so, yeah, and, and I'm with you, Jake. I don't think we were out on a limb here. I think I think we were more than fair uh, at looking at this. So, Barry, you missed the first half of it, but we, we said, you know, hey, they should be at least five and two, but you never know what could happen in this league, so at least four and three and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know where you landed, but when I first glanced at it too, I thought 12 and five was realistic. Yeah, I, I wound up at 12 and 5 as well. I have foreseen it. That is the answer. Uh, I can't see whether or not we're going to host a uh, playoff game or not, but, you know, I think we nailed it. Now, the strength of schedule is some something that uh, I don't get too fired up about because if you think about it, a quarter of our schedule is against the Steelers and the Ravens, and then you can also throw the Bengals in there, but Steelers and Ravens have two gimmies against the Bengals, you know, last year. And then we face the NFC uh, East, right, which was pathetic last year. So you put all that together, the Ravens and the Steelers, their win-loss record is a little bit inflated because of the schedule last year, in my view. 
So I don't mm-hmm. think our strength of schedule is as tough as it looks on paper because it's been skewed that way. Um, I just think that, uh, uh, you know, this is a darn good team. This is going to be an exciting year and, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait, you know, for, yeah, and I, for, for your, fast enough. you're right, Barry. And, and what's, what's fun is that, that, that I keep going back to this and Ian has put up a great uh, image right there for everybody to look at the Browns fans. I go back to this, did not get to watch how fun that team was last year collectively. And they, I know that those four games right there are where you will get to see your team impose their will. And in Chicago, I include Chicago in that too. Hopefully you get to see the Cleveland Browns win at home. Not enough people who have committed money, so much money. Not enough people have, who have committed insane amounts of money have, have, have gotten to watch them win enough, Steve. And I think that, and Barry, that, that is to me what is vital Vital, vital, vital is that you go to games and you get to watch them win, and they're good enough to win those games, obviously, and some others. So I'm excited about the opportunities on the home, on the home side of things. You know, the away the challenge, the challenges for the road are, are obvious. Kansas City and Green Bay are extremely challenging road games. Going out to face Justin Herbert and the Chargers on the West Coast, even if it's not going to be an overwhelming Chargers crowd, the, the time difference stuff is overwhelming. The data there is not good. It's never been good for teams east to west or west to east. So, uh, you know, you deal with that a little bit. But but, but if they can handle their home schedule, do well enough there, and pick up some road wins, then they're in good shape, right? Yeah, and, and to pick up on something uh, that you said earlier, I'm old enough to remember the home field being a home field in Cleveland. I remember that dank, dark dungeon that we all loved so much, which – if you look at it from a facility standpoint, it made no sense because it was just awful. Um, but it was a real, true home field advantage. I remember teams fearing coming to Cleveland. And for the younger generation of fans, you've never experienced that. I mean, people say, oh, you know, F- uh, First Energy Stadium is is bland and this. And, well, there's never been a team worthy of getting rowdy about, really, you know. Um, so I really, really want that for the younger generation of fans because I can't. I still have those memories. I mean, they're fresh in my mind. Of Yeah, well, they got to come to our place. And that meant something back in those days. I think we're about to see that again. Energy has that same kind of... Uh, that same kind of intimidation factor that the old place has. Regardless, it's going to be fun to go into a game and think we should win instead of, well, maybe if everything goes right, we could win. That's going to be a nice change. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time on negative right now. There's no reason to be negative. I'm not going to talk about what could keep them from, from getting there, things that could stop them, because there's too many reasons to be positive about this team. And if you want to be negative, it's because you just crave negativity. It, it, it's, it's the biggest thing, and this is all I'll say about it, the only thing in my mind, I can't say only because that's ruling out a lot of things, but the thing that I think can be the biggest impediment to this thing is with any other team's injuries. They do have a lot of veterans. They have a lot of guys on the roster, and they have brought in some young guys who have dealt with injury issues in the past. There, I, I can't. I don't cover other teams. I'm not inside a lot of those other locker rooms from like a player personnel standpoint. So I don't know other teams that would. But it just with this Browns team, the week 13 by is a little scary. It's a little late in the year. And then it's like, can the guys, can Clowney, can 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 Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit coming back from injury, can all of those guys stay healthy? Because if they stay healthy, 
it's a really, really damn good football team that can win a ton of games. And I think Baker Mayfield will make the, the, the right steps with the continuity around him and a scheme that he's comfortable with. And I just don't see really anything other than injuries keeping them away from having a pretty successful season. So I'm very optimistic about it, and I hope everybody else is too. Guys, parting words before we get out of here. Um, like you just said, enjoy the moment. Yes, it's silly that we're doing this this far. Of course it is. We all know that. But enjoy it because this is the first time, at least that I can remember, on schedule release day that we looked at it and said, hey, you know, wh- 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 where's the playoffs? How come the playoffs aren't on here? You know, uh, it- it's a new thing. We're going to have to get used to it. We're going to have to we're going to learn how to get cocky. Uh, if they if they go out and do what we think they can do this year. So uh, enjoy the moment, man. Yeah, there's a million things that could go wrong. It's sports. Anything can happen on any given day, like you said, with the injuries, the regression, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. But for the moment, just enjoy it, man. We got a good football team to root for, and there's a lot of great things that very well could happen in the next eight months or however long it is. 2021 is the year that Cleveland Browns Stadium, or uh, First Energy Stadium, whatever, they paid for uh cleveland brown stadium becomes a very scary place to play for opponents this fan base is rabid they love their team they understand football they've been waiting for this and this year the browns are actually going to deliver and it's going to be extremely exciting to watch uh like you said steve i'm old enough to remember uh the old times you know the 80s uh, in Cleveland Browns Stadium and that horrible facility. Keep in mind that horrible facility was owned and operated by Art Modell. Everything Art Modell turned uh, touched turned into garbage. That's why the facility <laughs> was so horrible. It's all his fault. At any rate, uh, we are going to uh, be a very difficult place to play for opponents. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. And I just can't wait. That's all I got to say. Good stuff, guys, both of you. We are going into the oasis of football coverage. We will see what the Browns do with the with, with mini camps and coverage for mandatory mini camp, rookie mini camp, all of it. We have some really fun plans for video content coming. Myself, Barry, Steve, we're all going to be involved. We're going to rewatch some old games and talk about old games. We're going to preview the guys coming ahead, uh, talk about position by position. We'll do all that fun stuff. Uh, we, we will take a, an inside look at a coach's corner. We're going to have a coach's corner angle talking about the basics of football so you can learn some of the things that we're talking about if you don't know them. Defensive assignments, gap names, wide receiver position names, scheme formations, all that stuff we're going to talk about. We'll get John Stephenson involved as well. It's going to be a blast. I know we're coming up on some barren months for football stuff, but we will keep churning out content. We had over 450 of you in here for a freaking schedule show. You guys are turning out. We're going to keep turning Maniacs. out content for you. It, listen, there's going to keep being rumors there. There's going to keep being things. We're going to keep this thing churning leading into the year. It's an exciting, exciting time. If you are not subscribed to this channel, please subscribe so you're notified every time we go live in any way, shape, or form. We're going to be a seven-day-a-week operation on this YouTube channel, so you're going to get notified every night when stuff comes live, and we're going to do it for you and make sure it's available. So subscribe. Subscribe to the OBR where you can get your first month for one buck. Okay, You can get your first month for one buck so that you can see the worth that we have, and I guarantee you will be with us long term, and we would appreciate that greatly. For myself, for Steve, for Barry, and everybody at the OBR, we'll be checking back in in the coming days, of course. But for tonight, 12 and 5 rounds, 
We'll see you in the playoffs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.